Will, you, Derek, you'll quickly see. We don't plan them out in advance, so. Will, do you think we should, like, get the Woody Allen stuff, like, out of the way? Like, just start with that well, and, like, I think then go? Oh, I think you should get it out of the way. I mean, there's <laughs> no way to divorce this from Woody Allen because this is a Woody Allen movie. Oh, yeah. It references Irving Berlin and Cole Porter. And oh, yeah. all of the musical choices are for someone who <laughs> grew up in the 40s and 50s. Like, so it's just, it wanted to be a 1970s Woody Allen movie. And frankly, I think this movie right, might work right. better if he had set it as a period piece. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Has no connection to 2019. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can just tell that Woody Allen does not know how to, like, incorporate an iPhone yeah. into his script. Oh, and, like, 20-year-olds oh. don't talk like that. Oh like, God. that pretentious, like, <laughs> talking, like... Not at all. Like you can tell, like mm -hmm. an you know totally. an old old man wrote the script. It's odd that he's so out of touch with youth in any way, and it's just as someone who tried to be maintain relevance for fifty years, it's just it's weird. And frankly, like there are little things yeah. that happen in the movie that make just the grossness of it. Like comments, comments on Ashley's yeah. attractiveness feel <laughs> weird, and like the the way that the Jude Law right. character, who is who presumably is Woody Allen, just the little just the little touches, the little touches he has with Ashley, right? And the name Roland Poland, is like oh, is it Roland oh I didn't even think about that's so gross. It's uh, it's very very bad. Ugh. So um I, I mean I will I will personally, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruffle a lot of feathers here. I think I think Woody Allen is a <laughs> is a bad person. <laughs> and I think he's gross and I think it's it's really it's really hard to watch this movie without yeah. having that acknowledgement in oh, your for head. Sure. And his movies have a very like yeah. distinguished like style. They're always like the same story, like the, the love triangle and like someone cheats on somebody and like all that, like the weird dialogue. Well, everything wants to be have this double talk Howard Hawks feel to it. And it doesn't. I will say this film does have that everyone is of consenting age. Um, I think that is that yeah. is a benefit to this movie. Yeah, I mean, um, it's <laughs> yeah. I guess, and and Derek, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well because it seems like you you've seen your fair share of Woody Allen movies. But I think it's important to say up top in this episode that um, I believe Dylan Farrow. I think that Woody Allen, <laughs> and and yeah, and I'm not saying that to say like we're gonna disagree on that. I just want to oh for sure in the in the context of this show, I've known that this movie was gonna come up at some point, and how we were going to approach it was going to be difficult and it, it oh, was yeah. easy to ignore it because it never actually got like a, U, a u.s yeah. theatrical release and then um you know we a pandemic occurred and there were no movies and they right. were like well let's just like put this in theaters so you know we ran out of excuses um to not do the episode <laughs> right. um so i've had a lot of time to think about how i would frame right. our choice to do this episode because i can see a lot of people and a lot of listeners in a lot of timothy chalamet stands saying like don't even cover it it's not worth covering 
But I, 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 I ultimately decided that I wanted to do right. this episode right. for a lot of reasons. The first of the first being this is a show about his filmography, and I think it's important to explore this movie in the context right. of his career and why he took it, why he did it, why he you know ultimately disavowed it, all those things. Right. Is this his first movie where he is literally the, the top um, billing? I get yeah, yeah he would. Yeah, I think so. Because Army Hammer got it for Call Me By yeah, Your Name, I think. because Timothy wasn't a name at that point. I mean, he, I think that now he would get top billing, and if it were actually, like, yeah. Elio is, like, the main character. So yeah, he, for, yeah. he, would, he would, had he not been, like, you know, Army was more of, like, right. a household name. Um, but then, as well, and, I and you know, I should have right. pulled up the exact quote. I didn't, because I think I reached my quota on New York Times articles I could look out for the month, and it's almost November um, but I wanted to pull up a quote because I believe it was at the New York Times that Greta Gerwig <laughs> talked about working with Woody Allen because she was in his 2012 movie, When in Rome. Um, and she said something to the degree of, I can't yeah. divorce my feelings on film from Woody Allen because I grew up watching those movies. I grew up watching him. I can't, I can't take away what he yeah. gave me, but I can move for, I can move forward and not work with him and like not see yeah. his movies. And I think that's really how I approach Woody Allen now, because um, I think it was in 2005, Matchpoint came out, and that was the first Woody Allen movie I saw, and I loved Matchpoint. I still love Matchpoint. I There are still a lot of Woody Allen movies I like, and I think that it's like what Greta said, like, I can't divorce that from how I view film and from what I liked at the time, but given now you know understand i know that allegations about him have been around for years but we just really didn't reckon with that until the me too movement so right oh another thing like so like like significant about this movie was it's kind of like the downfall of woody allen like it like really brought it back up like in like you know like the public eye because it was known about but it wasn't like such a significant point where people were like i'm not gonna work with him like i never should have done this like Mm -hmm. it's like and like like distributors like drop his movies and now like really small companies that no one's ever heard of like you know will buy them so i mean amazon dropped this and they i mean they still ran his miniseries which seems like a very interesting choice to me they still they still sell Hmm. his book yeah they just don't actually put out like his new his new content which is like interesting so yeah i think that it's important to acknowledge that like film history is the way it is because of Woody Allen. He's made a lot of very influential movies. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really easy for me to say that the last Woody Allen movie, the last new Woody Allen movie I will ever watch is a rainy day in New York. Um, So I think that's just something I wanted to get off my chest up top Um, before I dive in to our intro and i'm just gonna you know screw segues will we're just at the point we're 15 episodes in i'm not gonna find an excuse to do it i'm just gonna do it honey as long as you introduce the episode that's all that matters (laughs) (laughs) so i am going to say hello and welcome to chasing chalamet a formerly bi-weekly podcast now one that just you know it comes out when we want it to come out it's it's all about when timothy releases new movies which you know living in our 2020 hellscape is probably going to be never ever again we're probably never gonna see another timothy chalamet movie because there's no way uh warner brothers wants you to watch dune on your iphone for the first time um but if and when we get new content we will cover it uh but this is a podcast where i dane mcdonald timothy chalamet stan of the first degree 
and a special guest deep dive into the filmography of the Oscar-nominated actor Timothy Hal Chalamet. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about Woody Allen's 2017 romantic comedy, A Rainy Day in New York. We'll cover our thoughts, our feelings, our critiques, praise, maybe lack thereof, whatever we want to say about this little movie that, uh, as our guest today said, ended Woody Allen's career, thankfully. (laughs) We'll then discuss uh, Timothy's performance uh, in his role in the film. What function does he serve to the story? Is he cast well? Uh, What does his participation in this film bring to the table, which I think is one of the more interesting conversations to have about this movie as opposed to its actual substance or uh, lack thereof. Uh, Then on a scale from one to five peaches, we're together going to grade the film in different categories, the quality of the film itself, Timothy's performance, his attractiveness, and most importantly, as always, his hair. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, I'm super excited to introduce today's guest. Uh, He is what I would call and what I would refer to as a professional Timothy Stan, uh, who's developed quite the following on the internet. Everyone from Hunter Harris follows him to just the hordes and hordes of Timothy Stans. I don't think you can know about Timothy Chalamet on the internet without knowing about Derek. So Derek, welcome to Chasing Chalamet. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so obviously you you kind of keep, uh, you know, to the degree that you can keep a low profile on the internet, you do. So I, you know, I don't want you to divulge any personal information you're not comfortable with, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself to whatever uh, degree you're comfortable doing? Sure. Um, so I'm from uh, upstate New York. Okay. Um, and uh, there isn't like many people around here who are like really into film. You know, mm-hmm. it's mostly like sports. So sure. Twitter's kind of like the only place, you know, where people like are into like the same kind of stuff. Got it. Yeah. I mean, and you know, not to just like parrot your own Twitter bio back to you, but I think it really surmises it up where it just says you like uh, boys, movies, and Timothy Chalamet. And I mean, I don't think there's much, you know, sports can't compare to any of those things. <laughs> right. um so you know i i feel i know we've had a lot of really great guests on the show and being a timothy stan is certainly not a prerequisite for being on the show i'm actually really interested when we have people on who have like little to no opinion of timothy i think that's always been really exciting so i think i can say with a lot of confidence that you probably have the most timothy bona fides of anyone who's ever been on the show um so i don't want to spend too much time on it because we just have so much to discuss about this quote-unquote movie um but (laughs) but how did you kind of come to like stan timothy like what was like your first uh introduction to his work um so it's probably coming by your name so i'd seen him in like other movies but i didn't like realize it was him if that makes sense totally so um so yeah i found out about calling by your name and i read the book and then i found out you know who was in it and then i watched miss stevens and then you know that was kind of the beginning totally and then just is do you think that kind of like the notoriety you've gotten on twitter has to do a lot with the fact that like you actually like locked down the handle timothy chalamet yeah i think so because like um because there because at the time like you could have any like timothy like like you know username like there was like no one at the time like talked about him besides you know like you know people who had seen the film like a film festival or something sure, so it was but... like kind of like the first couple of things that would come up yeah do you do you happen to know did you lock down that name before he joined twitter or did he already have twitter and then you just got that handle he already had it 
Okay. So he just he yeah. just didn't even try to like have his actual name as his handle. He was <laughs> yeah. just like, I'm gonna be real Chalamet because yeah. that's what celebrities <laughs> yeah. do. I'm surprised he still hasn't like changed. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I I don't do it to the degree that I'm sure like people who represent celebrities do, but I work in marketing and like there's things all the time where it's like, oh, like we could like go negotiate with this person to like get this Twitter handle or like get this website, like you know, for like one right. of our clients or something. So I'm shocked that you haven't been, like, reached out by, like, his people and just, like, offered, like, you know, a lump of cash to just, yeah. like, give up the handle. Yeah, I always get scared, like, Twitter will, like, suspend me for, like, Im- like you know, impersonation, you know, for having that username. Yeah. So. But you've, you've always had your name as Derek, so, they, you know, there's probably... Yeah, yeah. You're probably safe there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I, I, I guess I also want to shout out the fact, too, that... Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I, I just exist on the internet, you know, we're, and we're meeting for the first time over Zoom, so I might not have all the facts, but you've actually sort of met Timothy, correct? Yeah, I met him over Face, yeah, over FaceTime. Yeah, I want to say there was, like, a clip where, was it, like, on the red carpet for the king, like, someone was there and FaceTimed him, and you got to talk to him? Yep, one of my friends went. That is amazing. It was pretty wild. I was, like, so awkward. I was, like, I just said, like, hi, I'm, like, that's kind of it. Oh, I, I feel like you probably handled it way better than I would. Like, I, it's, so he's actually, I'm sure he's been to Chicago, but I, Will and I are based here in Chicago and he's never, in the time that I've like certified myself as a, as a Timothy Stan, he hasn't like come here for like a screener or anything like that. Um, so I've never had the chance to like actually meet him, but I feel like if I did, like, I would just feel so silly to be like, hi, I'm Dane. Like I literally host a podcast dedicated to talking about how hot you are, um, (laughs) <laughs> I would know. have to be there as your handler. <laughs> right, exactly. Um so that's so cool. And I mean like there's been like uh like interviews where he's like shouted you out. I think was it was he at like a like a beautiful boy screening where he said like he, he yeah. said you by name and he said like only the real ones know. Yeah, and the interviewer was like what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> the interviewer is like actually I think that maybe that interviewer um, and I could be totally wrong here, but, um, I have a friend who hosts a podcast, uh, that I believe that interview had been on and I can't remember if like I tweeted at her and I was like, ask Timothy this question or that question. I can't remember if it was that interview or not. Um, but yeah, you're like, you, you of, of all the people we've had on the show, like you're the closest, like we're closing the, the rings of degrees between us and Timothy. So thank you for doing that. Oh, yes, of course. I've listened to this show before, so... Oh, amazing. So happy. That's so yeah. great. Um, so, let... So, that's a little bit about you. Um, I, I gave a little bit of my background on Woody Allen, um, and I know you are a little bit younger than me, so I'm not sure how much Woody <laughs> Allen you have um, digested in your, your young, youthful years, but have you had you actually, like, seen any of his work before you saw Rainy Day in New York, or was he a director you weren't as familiar with? Yeah, I've seen mostly, like, the popular ones, like, the ones that, you know, have won Oscars, like, yeah. so, like, Blue Jasmine, like, or, like, yeah. So, like, just mostly the ones that, like, he's gotten Oscar attention for. I, unfortunately, like, I I think that, Will, you can back me up here. One of the, one of the quirks of my personality is I'm extremely loyal. So, when I saw Match Point in 2005, which would have made me 13, I believe, um... I like loved it so much that I was like, it is now my personality that I love Woody Allen. Um, <laughs> so I've actually, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm being honest because it's what the fans deserve. The, the listeners, I shouldn't say fans. That's so, <laughs> whatever. Um, 
I, so I have seen every Woody Allen movie from Match Point to Rainy Day in New York. So, you know, his one a year. I, I actually, I've never watched the Amazon show just because it got really bad reviews, but I have seen all of his theatrical releases. As much as I love Elaine May, I can't bring myself to yeah. do it's it. It's really, it's like really terrible. I, not, it's horrible. It's like, I don't know why, I don't even know how it got funded or like, you know, <laughs> people said yes to it. It's just like, he just needs to retire and like disappear because his days of like making good stuff are long long gone yeah i mean when you were talking about that i think the last good movie that he made was probably blue jasmine and i've never rewatched it aside from the first time i saw it so i'm i'm curious to know whether it's like actually as good as everyone said it was or was it just kate blanchett gave a really good performance and then you know she won her oscar or her second oscar um (laughs) But yeah, it's it's funny because like, like I said, like I loved Match Point, and then I remember when Scoop came out the next year, I like went to my local indie theater and saw Scoop, and I was like, oh my god, new Woody Allen, and he's reuniting with Scarlett Johansson. Like I was, and I like, I actually like own Scoop on DVD, so I I guess at one point I thought it was good. I don't know if I would still think that if I watched it now, but um, but yeah, it's it's really hard to like separate my feelings on film from Woody Allen just because it was so foundational to me and there are still so many movies that I do like but this is not one of them A Rainy Day in New York is a bad bad movie (laughs) oh it definitely should have stayed you know buried you know on the hard drive or like you know computer wherever it was you know never should have came out it's just like it looks really cheap too for like it costs 25 million dollars unless like it costs like three dollars and they have like Mm -hmm. nothing like no money it looks like so cheap and like you know, something that would air on, like, Lifetime or something. It's just, like, so... It has such a a weak digital sheen to it. Like, yeah. nothing... There's... it's It all feels very flat. The lighting is very... Yeah. It, yeah, it has that, like, Lifetime softness to everything. Yeah. Um, and, and there's just a lot of very odd choices. And I'm glad that yeah. was your guys' experience, too, because... So so the two times I've watched it, I did not pay for it, because I was like, we're, we're not paying money for this shit. Yeah, so did I. I, <laughs> I watched it, you know, illegally as well, yeah. Piracy yeah. is not a victimless crime, but also, like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, when it comes to Woody Allen, I think it's, like, totally, like, should be legal. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, all of the actors, like, donated their salaries back, like, you know, yeah. we're not... We're not and we're they not, work like, all the time. Out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they work and... all the time, so they're all booked and busy, so it's no big deal. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no one was no one was banking on residuals from this film. Right, yeah. <laughs> um the first time I watched it was a couple months ago. My boyfriend found it online and we we decided to watch it and and I I don't think I want to say we did like a double feature. I don't want to say what the other movie was. Let's just say it's it's also a controversial movie that uh disney may or may not want to put on disney plus for various reasons uh and when a rainy day in new york ended my boyfriend turned to me and said well it was better than that or the other movie was actually better than a rainy day in new york so (laughs) i think that i think that it's really safe to say that like while this movie garnered controversy for the fact that like it you know it came out during the me too movement and essentially ended his career um, it's not to say we're missing out on any sort of fine work of art by not talking about this movie. For sure. And it's interesting that we, we talked about how, like, terrible it looks, because um, not that I think his movie from 2016, uh, Wonder Wheel, is, like, any 
better. Like it's it's not good at all, and and I hate saying that, that because yeah, that movie like that movie feels like it should have been like a Broadway play. Oh yeah, because like, like all takes like, place in that just, like little apartment. It's definitely it's like you know it's like so like it's not, it's like doesn't even feel like a movie. Yeah, but it looks really good. Like the cinematography is yeah. really beautiful. Like the way that they like shot Coney Island or wherever it was mm-hmm. was really pretty. So it's then weird. Yeah, he like then goes to shoot in like modern day New York, and it looks <laughs> so bad. Looks, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like I I, I want to get into like what doesn't work for me because. I don't think it's an unwatchable movie, like, much like we were saying, like, I mean, Lifetime makes watchable movies, like, that's what they're made for. Oh, for sure. You put them on, and, like, there's coherency in the story, like, I Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. I'd rather watch a Lifetime. Actually, I think he has, I don't know if it's a Lifetime movie, it's, like, a Hallmark movie that we want to cover on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, we, there is, there is Timothy Hallmark-type movie content to see. (laughs) Yeah. But a, a $25 million movie funded by Amazon Studios shouldn't be on that level unfortunately right um right i think fundamentally what is wrong with this movie there's a lot of things wrong but the worst far and away is the script and i think that you know we've talked we've talked about it a bit because you know woody allen clearly does not know how to write dialogue for 20 somethings um the way he treats most of his characters in this movie is awful um i (laughs) in first and foremost like i don't believe that people or characters need to be likable to be interesting I don't need Gatsby Wells. For sure. Let's just pause and just say his name is Gatsby Wells. That is a name I, he gave like, his character. So unrealistic. Like, movies don't have to be realistic, but, like, I don't know who would, like, even name their kid, like, Gatsby. Like, it's so, like, you know, like, definitely out of touch with reality, like, you know, for modern day. Yeah. It's, I mean, at first I didn't clock that his name was Gatsby, and I thought someone was calling him by by a a rich playboy nickname which i'm like well that checks out and like oh oh that's his name yeah i think everything in this movie it's i think woody had this idea of making it like ooh, rich people are sad like it seems Mm -hmm. like a little bit of rich porn especially like when he walks into uh selena gomez's apartment and he's like oh i remember being here and there's the inlay in the floor and the piano and all the painting. Right. Oh, it feels so like fake opulence. Mm-hmm. Right. It, there's a, a degree of like, oh, I'm going to give people what they think wealth means, but it, it feels almost like this Trumpian view of richness as opposed to actual like wealth and culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the point because everything's kind of fake. Yeah, well, yeah. there's. I don't think you can like watch this movie and say that there's a point. I mean, I, I was. Oh no. Yeah, I. I think that like he's known for like writing these scripts and like putting them away for a long time, and then like bringing them back out when he has to like make his yearly movie and he doesn't know what to do with himself. So this really feels right. like something he wrote like in the seventies or eighties, and he just like pulled it out because Amazon was like you know sending the check and he had to go shoot something so right he you know he pulled out this script and it just he it just there's I, the first time I watched it and I like I like laughed even harder when it happened today the thing that like I knew what I'd be in for when I watched it and like I just I knew how I was going to feel about the movie is when Timothy delivers the line that at the poker game he won 20 big ones or like 20,000 big ones or whatever he says. And I just was like, oh my God, 
he like no 20 year old refers to $20,000 right. as 20,000 big ones. And I just was, no, I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I mean, I'm getting closer to 30 than I am to 20, but like, I know 20 year olds <laughs> don't talk like that. Also, I right. don't think a, a like a 21 year old who is very wealthy would say that. Like there's a way to make that character pompous without saying something like that. For sure. Also, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that he's a gambler. It also doesn't make sense that he's a smoker. Like nothing right. nothing echoes the fact that he has a gambling problem and he's addicted to smoking. <laughs> it sounds like he just started doing this for fun. Right. And if it seemed like he had any fun at the poker game, maybe that didn't track at all. And it also like it doesn't track that it doesn't seem like he knows how to smoke a cigarette. No. Right. Which I mean, I... he's like that really old, like, I don't know much about, like, cigarettes, but it looks, what he uses to, like, smoke looks so outdated, like, I don't even, like, you know, like, it looks like, like, no one uses that. Yeah, I mean, he, there's that shot where he, like, walks out of the store, and he's like, yeah, and I got my new, like, little, whatever they call that little device he uses, it's not, device <laughs> makes it sound like it's an electronic it's a, cigarette. It's which a cigarette, it's a cigarette I wish holder. it... I, I wish it had been an electronic cigarette because then at least like there would have been a, like an attempt to make this movie contemporary. But yeah, he's using a cigarette <laughs> right. holder and he says, yeah, exactly. Uh, podcasts are a uh, audio medium, so you can't see, but Will is holding a cigarette holder right now. Um, right. But he he has that line where he's like, yeah, and it means I'm not going to get cancer, and I'm just like, is this supposed to be like funny? Like I that is and that is right. a whole other issue with the script, like. And, and, you know, I, I've probably tweeted this, Will, I've said this to you, and, you know, I'll say it for the 20,000th time, the 20,000th big one. It is so disappointing to me. Timothy Chalamet is my favorite young actor. Um, Elle Fanning is my favorite young actress. They are co-leads in a movie, and it is fucking terrible. And yeah, I know. I, I bring that up because I don't understand... I get that the Elle Fanning character is supposed to be an airhead, and I think that Elle Fanning can play an airhead, but not when the dialogue is that terrible. Right. Well, it's not even that she's um, supposed to be an airhead. She's just, he's written her as such a hayseed. Yeah. Just see, like, oh, Central Park. Oh, can we ride a carriage? It's like, no, right. we have the internet. We know what things fucking look like. <laughs> You've done a Google Earth of this. And, like, I get that, like, we're supposed to want to, like, have Selena end up with him. So, like, we're not supposed to, like, necessarily like Ashley, but I don't right. know. It's it's the same. It's like how I said, like, I don't need Gatsby to be likable. I just need to find him interesting. I don't need Ashley to right. be smart. I just need to not hate her. Right. Ashley's um, just this recipient yeah. of a lot of dumb luck. I don't think we're supposed to hate her by any means. I mean, she ends up. I mean, she ends up, you know, hot and heavy with Diego Luna, which I mean, good on ya. It's just yeah, good for her. But... Weird, like there's the lack of any chemistry that's happening. Yeah, between the Gatsby and the Ashley character makes you just not. You don't have you have just this indifference about their existence as a couple. Yeah. And speaking of Diego Luna, there's, like, that scene where I don't think it's, like, Gatsby watches the news and he, like, sees, like, Elle and Diego Luna. And it's trying to, like, recreate, like, the news, but it looks so, like, cheap. Mm -hmm. And it looks nothing like 
a news story. It looks nothing like an Entertainment Tonight or like an E! News, you know, and this movie costs $25 million, and it's like you can't even see the $25 million in the movie. Like, it's like, where did all that money go? Like, it just looks so bad. I couldn't even begin to guess where that budget went. My hope and my hope would be that it goes to Cherry Jones because I think that she is like the one good thing about this movie. Oh yeah, but right. Um, actually, and I, I, and watching it the second time, I, I doubted this a little bit more. The first time I watched it, I actually thought Selena Gomez was really good. Um, I don't know if I think that she's great. Um, it might just be that in quarantine, I've been watching Selena and Chef, and I think that she's really endearing and cute. Um, like as a person, so maybe I'm like more willing to forgive her performance in this movie. <laughs> I think she she feels a little bit more like a human being. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think she's one of the more better written characters. Yeah, and um, not so like pretentious. More like yeah, more like what like you said. Like she feels more like a person, mm-hmm. not like a you know. Well, see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's the closest thing the movie has to, like, not a caricature. Like, she's yeah. the closest. And, yeah. And I don't think that's the script. Because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, it is so weird that this, you are, like, talking about how he, which, this is just how people function in Woody Allen movies, so this isn't, like, weird to say. But, like, it's so bizarre right. that she just keeps referencing, like, how the Gatsby, like, dated her sister. And, like, this is how <laughs> she thought that you were good at kissing. And, like, this is the first place that they, like, go to the Met. And she's like, this is the first place you kissed my sister. And, it's like, that's all wild so like, much is dedicated <laughs> to two women who aren't in the film mm-hmm. right there's her sister and there is ashley with an ey <laughs> like so much is dedicated to talking about them why like, right i mean woody allen you know how to write a script it's there's <laughs> no it, and yeah. it doesn't do anything to talk about characters that don't exist it's also right. weird because I think that one of the n- nice things you can say about Woody Allen is I think that he does write really good female characters when he, like, tries. Like, I think the number of, like, women who've won Oscars for his movies is, like, it's, like, a crazy amount. Which, I think if you go back and watch all those movies, maybe all of those roles aren't, like, you know, exactly, like, progressive, good characters. You know, maybe, like, with a 2020 lens. But he he should know how to do that. And every female character in this movie is written to be flat and boring and, you know, one to two to three emotions tops, whether that's Selena Gomez, whether that's Elle Fanning, um, the fact that, like, Annalie Ashford is reduced to a character who has a bad laugh, like, that's, like, her only thing. That, yeah, that was really very cringy and, like, that like, the way of, like, comedy, which might have worked, you know, back then, does not work. Does not work and now. there's there's mm-hmm. half of the well i mean that's a weird th- the the state the discussion about how it's a weird thing to judge her based on that based mm-hmm. on her yeah. laugh and then you hear her laugh and you're like oh well weird <laughs> yeah it's not that like exciting or like dramatic in the in terms of a laugh well, it's, and it just yeah. doesn't have it loses he's like it's like she's cycling through all of the i love to laugh laughs and it's doesn't have any reality to it. Like if she had yeah. a laugh that was like, "Oh, this sounds like it comes out of a human's mouth." Sure. And I don't want to fault her necessarily because no. I think that she's. She, I love Annalie Ashford. I think she's a great actress. I I like her a lot. I wish that yeah. she was in more stuff. 
But I feel like yeah. when you take like a bit part in a Woody Allen movie, you know, he he doesn't really seem like he directs actors really, which is interesting cuz we're Yeah, I read an article of like it was in an article like about his directing style where like he's like really timid to talk to actors and like the producers do more of the directing, which is really like fascinating. And I I feel like maybe that's why like women like Kate Blanchett or like Diane Keaton like win Oscars for his movies because those are women with such like big they come to the set and they just like have their personality right. so it's not like he he just has to like write the I mean really and and this gets into like my the thing that I think is the best part of the movie is Cherry Jones and I think that she is such like a capital A actor that she has that thing where like she shows up and she just has to like read the lines and she knows even when they're terrible like she does it really well so I feel like when that character right. is like you know that is like the lead character like in Annie Hall or um is Kate Blanchett's name in Blue Jasmine Jasmine I think so we'll just say yeah I is. think so yeah we'll say yeah. her name's when when when, <laughs> when Kate Blanchett as Blue Jasmine is in Blue Jasmine like she shows yeah. up and she like does it and Right. It makes sense. Like, that Woody Allen didn't necessarily have to do that. So, when right. he's directing, like, younger actors who probably just... I mean, you know, there's a lot of great young actors. Like, and I'm not saying I want this to happen or this should have happened in the past. But, like, if Jennifer Lawrence did a Woody Allen movie, like, he wouldn't need to tell her what to do. Because she just, like, knows how to show up right. as a star. And right. I don't feel like Elle Fanning or Selena Gomez necessarily do that. I think Selena Gomez comes the closest between those two. Um for whatever reason, but I think that Cherry Jones, whether, even though I think it is just bonkers that the reveal is that, like, Gatsby's mom was a hooker, I think that that She's is She's literally just... a whore with a heart of gold. Like... Literally the worst reveal... Yeah. ...of, like, all time. Like, it, it's so bizarre. It's just so bizarre. Like, like not I don't only... know what, like, the whole point of that was. No, exactly, and that's what I was gonna say. Like, I don't understand... Because then we're led to believe in the next scene that, like, it, like endears him more to his mom and he understands her and the whole thing <laughs> right. her, her whole thing is like you get your fire from me I'm paraphrasing <laughs> but she basically says like you're so much like me and I right. used to be a hooker and it's like I I don't understand how that is supposed to like make them like relate right. to each other more like it does not right. make any sense yeah it's just so just like so bizarre mm -hmm. and that like inspires him to like jump out of the carriage and he's not going back to yard like <laughs> I mean, that's what I was going to, like, the movie literally leaves, like, that's what, like, I turned to my boyfriend today while we were, I told him he didn't have to rewatch it, but he was, he was in the room. That's generous and, of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so nice of me to keep Casey in our uh, Junior One bedroom apartment. <laughs> um, but it just, it, like, he, like, jumped out of the, the carriage, and I just, I turned to him, and I'm like, God, Gatsby is an asshole. And like I said, I don't need him to be likable, but, like, he just, like, leaves her in the carriage to, like... And then he throws money at her like she's a hooker. <laughs> like, it's it's so yeah. weird. Also, get a wallet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a wallet. But if he had a wallet, he wouldn't yeah. be able to come home and throw all his cash and his Marlboros on his bar cart. <laughs> his, right. He's, like, barely touched, like, pack of Marlboros. Like, doesn't even mm -hmm. have, like, pocket damage on it. You can right. just see you can see where the PA like scrunched it up so it looked like it was a little used, but that was it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if either of you guys have any more to say about the movie. I don't, I don't think there's much else to say. I think it's it's a bad script. It's a nothing yeah. movie. It mm -hmm. it looks yeah, cheap. Just, like yeah. 
Yeah, it's just it's like a just it's like a mess from like the second it starts, like the second it ends. Yeah, it's it's far and away Timothy's worst lead role. I think he's in worse yeah. movies. Um, I was looking. And it's at kind my... of a shame. With... Oh, sorry to interrupt, but like it's no. kind of a shame of like it has it has such a good cast and it's like wasted oh on this God. like horrible yeah. movie. It's a great it's cast. A, I would love a, to, like I'd love to see a do over where they get to do something else like all together. Right. Yeah. Like it's a essentially a dream cast. Like these are great yeah. actors. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think we and I we do need to touch on how old Gatsby's parents are. Yes. That. Yeah. His. I mean, Cherry Jones yeah. is. She's in her early sixties, but they age her up yep. to look ancient, which which would yeah, make sense. I... She's. I mean. But, like, if she has – she met his dad while she was knocking on hotel doors, and then she married him, went to school, she still wouldn't have had him, like, in her 40s. Like, right. it seems so weird. And the dad is so old. Like, he – Right. He looks too old to be president of the United States. Like, he looks so <laughs> right. old. She could have just, like, looked like herself, and it would have been so pat- believable. Yeah. We see you as yourself all the time. Like we've Right. Like exactly. Succession, I feel like is like pure Cherry Jones. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think she is the one redeeming part of the movie, but oh, it hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Um but let's move on to talking about um Timothy's role in the film, which I think is probably the most relevant part of the conversation because nothing makes more sense to me than an actor who's like either like breaking big or has just broken big and then working with Woody Allen. Cause that's something that we've seen right. forever. I mean, you know, just, I was talking about Matchpoint mm-hmm. earlier. That was really when like Scarlett Johansson arrives. And I know kind of like right after Emma Stone broke big, like she did two Woody Allen movies. Like right. it makes sense for Elle and Timothy to be in this movie. Selena Gomez. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But also it, it was just I know that she acts, but to jump into a Woody Allen movie is kind of a weird jump, I think, for her career. Yeah. But I there's think also that... been a lot of, um, like like Kristen Stewart was in one. Um, mm-hmm. like like it's very common for like a younger mm-hmm. actor actress to do like a very like a Woody Allen movie like in their career at some point. Right, and I think it makes sense because it there's there's a prestige to that. There's a prestige to like right. oh you're going to be cast in a Woody Allen movie. Like obviously nowadays right. like people wouldn't go near it because of everything. But <laughs> right. For so long I think it's it's just you're checking something off on the list. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's I like mean, a big deal cuz like he directed like, you know, Annie Hall and he's gotten these actors and actresses, you know, Oscars like, you know, why wouldn't you want to do it? Yeah, it's like more likely than not you'll get an Oscar nomination in, right. in a Woody Allen movie and I think that that is a, and I think that the thing too is like, you know, even though it seems like, oh, like a lot of actors have worked with like Martin Scorsese, a lot of actors have worked with like Steven Spielberg, Woody Allen makes a movie every year and those directors don't make movies every year. So like the, the, the potential, like there's, there's just a greater chance you will work on a Woody Allen movie than like a a movie from other directors because they just don't put out as much. That's such a gamble though. He puts out so many movies so that the, the quality quantity ratio is so oh, sure. much in the favor of quantity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say especially within the last within the last 30 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um I'd say like anything yeah. like post like 2000s has been super hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 honestly, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen a lot. I I've seen some of his older ones, kind of like you were saying Derek, like some of the bigger ones, but I haven't seen like 
a couple of like the few you know like smaller maybe more yeah. hidden hidden gems or things like that um yeah but this movie shot in like fall 2017 i want to say or yeah. no 2016 yeah. no 2017 it was right before calling by your name was about to come out right so it makes complete sense that like this is the movie Timothy did. It makes total sense that he like right. came to New York. And there was an article that, oh, that's why. And there was an article that came out that said that his his team was expecting Beautiful Boy to be the movie that would get him more popular. You know, mm-hmm. because I'm assuming it's Steve Carell and everything. So right, like most oh, so people would like see it versus versus you know, Call like, Me by, by Your Name, which is right because I don't yeah. think they expected to you know do so. And that's not to say they thought it was going to be, like, you know, horrible, but, you know, like, it, they probably didn't expect it to have such a fan base and, like, devout following, you know. That yeah. It's kind of, that's interesting yeah. to think about, because I think in hindsight, it is kind of crazy that he, like, got his Oscar nomination for that. Because normally what you see happen is, like, an actor kind of has, like, a breakout role where they get, like, a lot of acclaim. And then the, the next prestige movie they do is when they kind of, like, get their Oscar nomination. But Call Me By Your yeah. Name was just so big and beloved that it pushed right. him into that stratosphere. And then... His follow-up, I mean, he got a lot of praise for Beautiful Boy, but he ultimately didn't get the Oscar nomination, so it was kind of right. interesting that he kind of, like, flipped that on its head a bit. <laughs> yeah. So it makes sense for him to be cast in this movie. I think that makes complete yeah. sense. I think that it makes sense, then, for this to be kind of, like, his first, quote-unquote, leading role, even though it's not his top build. That being said, it's just it's just weird because he a lot of times you see and it's it's funny well you were joking about like Jude Law playing like the quote unquote Woody Allen character because a lot of times Woody Allen writes like the lead character to be him like you think about like Jesse Eisenberg yeah. and like Cafe Society or something so yeah. I think there I think maybe there's a, a a world in which Woody Allen sees a bit of himself in Gatsby Wells but that being said Timothy Chalamet is just too dreamy to play a Woody Allen like caricature yeah it just doesn't make sense like jesse eisenberg i can see because he's just kind of got that like not that i don't i mean jesse eisenberg's a handsome guy but mm-hmm. like he doesn't have that right. like kind of like poster boy charm that timothy he has naturally has he's really good at neurotic and yeah. like the mannerisms and everything yeah and i i just i wouldn't say timothy is a neurotic type like no. i think he, i mean he's a good enough actor that he can do a lot of things but he does i don't think he he's he has like a neurotic air to him yeah yeah i want to i want to go back just a second though so this went into production in august of 2017 so this would have been after call me by your name premiered at sundance but before it had a theatrical release so this was kind of a gamble for him to have a top billing for a movie and he hadn't really had a big movie hit right which is interesting Mm -hmm. right I mean, I view. I thought this was filmed a little bit later, and I'm I'm starting to think about it a little differently, having it be earlier than you know when we frankly met him in Call Me by Your Name. I think it's just it's very interesting. Right. It's a more interesting casting decision, and it makes more right. sen- it makes more sense that he's in it in 2017 as opposed to after that time. They could have they could have chosen like someone more popular, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. compared to him because he didn't really have anything where you're like this movie's gonna be like you know a big hit or something if we cast him or not yeah the things that had come out at that point were like love the coopers our favorite <laughs> timothy chalamet movie our beautiful trashter piece oh it's such a trashter piece it's so have you seen it derek <laughs> yes yeah oh it's oh it's just i 
Mm. It's it's such a trash. It has a really it has a really great cast, which is it's got a great really... cast. Well, we'll cover yeah. it again when we turn this into a June Squibb podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that'll be your podcast, Will. That's more up your alley than mine. As much as I love June Squibb, that's just it's just a bit more your personality. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know it. It this just makes sense for him to do. That being said transitioning into his performance this is what i'm going to say i don't think it is a bad performance i don't think he's great in the movie um i think that the script is a giant pair of metal boots on his talent and it's hard for him to overcome that um but that being said i don't want to like criticize him too much because i think it's a case of miscasting to a degree and a bad script that being said i just don't think like, like i said when he says twenty thousand big ones i laughed like i was like this is just <laughs> this is just bad i agree i think i think it's mostly like the script is just so bad that there's no like chance of like elevating it to, like you know mm-hmm. like it's already gone yeah he's yeah. he's working with the material he has yeah he is it's it's also it requires a little bit of artful direction um, I mean, yeah. Cl- I mean, all of the voiceovers alone are just flat. Yeah, um, it sounds like Timothy just like had the script in front of him in an ADR session, and they just like right. let him read. Like there just wasn't, there just there wasn't. Right. They didn't give him anything to do. There's a very one takeness about a lot of this. Yeah, which is unfortunate. I think because I think there could be some development. Um, and kind of warmth around the way some things are delivered. I don't think it's a great performance by any means. The script is bad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, with the exception of Cherry Jones, I don't think anyone has a good performance in this movie. No, I think the script is like, everyone let everybody down. Mm-hmm. It like, yeah, it's like we were saying, like this is a stacked cast. Like a lot of people in this movie, I would guess didn't have to audition. Like if they're just no. to the point where they, I, I, I can't imagine you know they, 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 i can't ima- i was about to say maybe they did some chemistry readings i don't know if they did because no one in this movie really right. has chemistry i think timothy and selena kind of get there a, a bit but there's still like they needed to charge it up a little bit more mm-hmm. it, it only came so right. close i just think you need a couple weeks in rehearsals yeah i don't think woody allen rehearses i think they just like showed up and was like time to go like here we go mm-hmm. all right we've got we can be in the Met for this for an hour and a half. <laughs> right. We're going. When you said that, Will, and, and Derek, you're from upstate New York. Do you, do you get to go to the city a lot or have you traveled to the city a lot? Um, no, not often. But, okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I've only been to New York twice and the last time was in like 2009, I think maybe. Um, so I, I haven't been a lot, but I feel like it's just so funny because there's kind of that like, cliche like you know when you think about like sex and city they're like oh new york city is like the fifth lead of that show or like they're always like oh new york city may as well be like a character in this new york city doesn't do shit in this movie like that and i know that has to do with like how bad it looks but like you don't i don't get like the new york feel from they could have filmed all all of this movie in toronto yeah like it and you I have watched so many, I've watched so much TV over quarantine where things are set in other places. And it's like, this, this could have been filmed anywhere. Yeah, I just, I, 
w- like where would this fall for like I and I out of curiosity like what what would you say are Timothy's like best performances and would you say that this is like on the lower end of the scale for you on what you think is like his best work? Yeah, I would say it's on the lower scale for sure. Because mostly it just I think like like there was nothing there to like really work with, mm-hmm. you know, to make it like you know something really like spectacular. I was always bound for like failure, kind of. Yeah. In that kind of term. Have you seen all of his movies? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Okay. What would so, you say? Yeah. What would yeah. what are like his like top three performances for you? So I would say Call Me by Your Name, mm-hmm. Lady Bird, and Little Women. Okay. And he's great. He's good. And he's good and beautiful boy. And, uh, so yeah, those three. Yeah. Yeah. We're in agreement. I think, um, I think what's fascinating. And I think if you watched like anyone's filmography top to bottom, there's probably more bad than good. But I think that I had this just, I had such a high, and I still have a high opinion of Timothy. I'm not saying that didn't go away. Because I think that, like, right. those three that you mentioned, Lady Bird, Call Me By Your Name, and Little Women, are, like, three perfect movies. And so it kind of puts him in this, like, echelon of excellence to me. And then I go and watch, like, this and, you know, uh, Love right. the Coopers and, like, Men, Women, and Children. And I'm just like, oh, he's been in right. some bad fucking movies. Um, <laughs> right. And he, a lot of times, even when he's in a bad movie, like, I think that he's really good in Beautiful Boy. I don't think Beautiful Boy is, like... I think it's a fine movie. I don't think it's like yeah. amazing, but he's really, really good in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there are movies where he's just not in it enough to like even have that be <laughs> right. like a right. saving factor. Or you, know? you can't like, he's get not... past the wig that he's wearing. Oh right. my God. His wig in Adderall Diaries is just haunts me in my dreams. Oh, that movie is Ugh. a mess in itself. Yeah. Which is, which <laughs> is unfortunate because it's, um, I, I'm blanking on her name right now, but uh, directed by, a woman, and I think that one of the great things about Timothy is he is really open about like working with like women direct, like female directors, and I like I really see him as like a really motivational like millennial Gen Z actor, whereas like he's very vulnerable with his feelings, like he's not trying to put up this like front, and I think that and we know, don't I, get I, that's what I, any of that in this movie. No. <laughs> oh no, absolutely <laughs> not. He's he's a man out of time. He is not representing any of right. those things. It, right. it, it, I, I haven't like thought about this, but it's probably his most like chauvinistic character. Like he doesn't, he's just not a good guy. Like he's just a, he's just a pit. Right. He's just a pit of, I don't know. I, maybe he's not a pit right. of hate. Maybe that's too harsh, but he's just. I think he really wants to be self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to hate his privilege, but he really likes it. <laughs> And he doesn't, I think it hurts him to admit how much he likes his privilege. And I think that's kind of echoed by his gambling, by the way he just kind of scoffs at his mother and doesn't give a shit about his education. (laughs) Um, Right. I think, um, and I don't even know if he's, he's purely chauvinist. I think he's just, I think Gatsby's a selfish character. Yeah. And, and I think that we've all, we've all touched on this a little bit, but this I don't think Woody Allen is a director or writer or filmmaker who like can successfully like comment on privilege, which is hilarious because he's you know a white old dude who has plenty of Hollywood privilege. <laughs> That's why his career like isn't as canceled as it should be. But I I, I, right. I just thought about like imagine if like obviously like rework the script to death and make it her own. But imagine if someone like Sofia Coppola had been able to make this movie, like a director who 
so eloquently knows how to comment on privilege and like works within her bubble like i just she would be someone who could definitely make this movie right and you know i I literally like on the rocks is it's not it has nothing to do with um a rainy day in new york but it's like a movie that takes place in new york and comments on all of these things and you don't like hate the characters yeah, and I think even, um, she did the bling ring, and that's all about people in, like, their 20s, and they felt like real people, not, like, you know, 80-year-olds and 20-year-old bodies. Yeah. She's someone who can, like, actually write youthful <laughs> yeah. people and not have it right. be a train wreck. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, I think that we're all in agreement in that it's not Timothy, like, Timothy, I don't think he's da- outright bad. I think he has, like, a few scenes where, like, his charm and his kind of movie star persona like help like I, I actually i think it's the scene where like he comes out of i think it's like his brother's house and it's raining and he's like on the phone with um ashley like trying to figure out like where she's going and there's kind of this like nervousness to him that like it, i can like see timothy chalamet the oscar nominated actor in there but anytime he's doing like the voiceover or you know just like the shots of him like walking in new york and smoking i'm just like this none of this reads is like natural like this is so just like performative like there's no there's nothing in and not, not, not that i'm someone who needs like realism for my performances but nothing feels like lived in about this character at all um we don't need realism but you know what it wouldn't hurt <laughs> i don't think it would be the worst thing for woody allen to do mm-hmm. I, I i like see you thinking will is there something else you need to add um uh... No, I keep kind of, like, going back to, like, all of the shots in cars that look weird, either the way it's shot or, or if it's, if it's on a, if it's on a, if it's on a trailer or if it's, like, using, like, screens around it, it looked weird. I'm just thinking about how weird everything looked in this movie. Uh, Derek, do you have any closing thoughts on A Rainy Day in New York, a movie that you've now seen twice and never have to watch again? My closing final thoughts on A Rainy Day in New York are the film is such a great cast that it's wasted by such a horrible script. Yeah. And thankfully, this is a movie that really ended Woody Allen's career. And even though he does make movies still, he makes them at such like a smaller scale. We won't have, we won't like hear about them as much as we did in the past, thankfully. <laughs> I could not agree more. And what a fitting time to move on to our peach ratings. So, uh, to remind everybody at home, we're going to rate the movie on one to five peaches. We're going to rate Timmy's performance one to five peaches, his attractiveness, and his hair. Uh, So let's get uh, probably what is going to be the worst rating out of the way and do peaches. Derek, how many peaches on a scale of one to five would you give A Rainy Day in New York? I'd give the film two peaches. Yeah, I I'm in agreement. It's a it's a two peach movie. Um, like I said, it's it's coherent. You can you can certainly watch it. Um, it's not. I don't think it is like an offensive movie. Like I don't think it. I I wasn't like actively mad watching it. I just was. It's just it's like we said. It's just so disappointing. It's got such a good cast. Um, it just it it could have been so many things that it wasn't and. The script is just so bad. There's just you. There's just no coming back from that. So Timmy's performance. Uh, I'll go first, so you're not putting on. You're not put on the spot to do all the ratings before me, Derek. For Timmy's performance, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two and a half, and I feel bad giving him 
probably the lowest grade I've given him for a performance because I don't necessarily think it's his fault. Um, I think a lot of it is the script, but ultimately I don't think he overcomes what the script gives him. And I, I, I have to, I have to be true to myself. If he's listening, if he ever hears this, I'm sorry, Timmy, I'm going to say it. I don't think you were very good in this movie. I still love you. I think the world of you, if you want to go on a date, I can move my boyfriend out of my condo really, really fast. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a two and a half peach performance for me. What about for you, Derek? Same. Yeah. Would you say like, this is probably like one of his, I'd say one of his only bad performances. I think he's usually very good, even when the material's not serving him. I just don't think that's the case. And this is one of Timothy's only bad performances because he was really set up for failure from the start since the script was so bad. Well, I think now we can start being a little positive um, because, (laughs) frankly, he's really hot in this movie. I think that... um, For sure. um, I think it's it's interesting because I think that given that this was shot kind of right before like the call me by your name award season pressed for when we were like really introduced to like Timothy Chalamet fashion icon, hair icon, twink icon, you know, all these things that is like when he looks so good. And so I think that like, we almost got like captured on film other than the, you know, like all like the press pictures and things like when he was like really breaking big and like so gorgeous and just like so new and shiny um, so he looks great in this movie. Um, Derek, do you want to go ahead and give your peach rating first on attractiveness? I'd say probably a five, since his looks are probably the best part of the whole movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's um, a secret to say, like, I wouldn't have sought this movie out had it not been a Timothy Chalamet movie. So um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing to say. He looks really, really good. And I think of all of the reasons to want to watch the movie to see how beautiful he looks in that frame is is not a bad thing yeah i i think i'd say like four and a half um because i i have found that like i find him most attractive when the material is meeting him you know like the ladybirds uh the call me by your names etc um but there's only so much i can do to deny how he he also i even though like we've talked about how the character doesn't really work and all these things like i really like how he like looks in this movie from like a like a costuming standpoint um he he looks good playing like a a a you know a new england like prep school boy like that the corduroy jackets and the sweaters and the shirts tweed tweed suits him oh 100% really so not even just like the you know like the face of the attractiveness like his whole overall look like is is really works for me in this movie um so yeah it's like it's like a four and a half for me and only docking the half because I just, I, I want the, the, you know, the material to meet his attractiveness, but he looks fucking amazing in this movie. And, you know, no, no amount of Woody Allen shame can hide that fact. Um, so moving on to hair, um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like he just, just, it was, it was peak Timothy hair. Like he, it was long, like it was, it's falling in his face. Like he just, it's, it's not, um there's something a little bit more unkempt about it in Lady Bird where like, it's a little bit more like dark and broody. Like it's a little, as long as it is like, you'd still like see his face a lot in the movie and it's kind of like pulled back a little bit more. Um, it's, it's not as, it's definitely not as messy. No. Um, so it's, it's a five out of five for me on hair. Um, what about you, Derek? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So Derek, you are, you're a solid five out of five for attractiveness and hair. I think you are, I think you were showing your bona fides as being 
number one Timothy Chalamet internet stan here. I think it. I think you're. I think you. Uh, I think you're. You're owning up to that title that I that I'm bestowing upon you. I'm not sure if anyone else has said that to you, but uh, I'll go ahead and anoint you as uh, king of the Timothy Chalamet stands. Thank you. <laughs> the thing about like watching a rainy day in New York is like my brain is mush from bearing through the movie, but also just because he's so goddamn hot. Like it's just it's. I hate. I hate when I feel dumber and hornier. It's like it doesn't make sense. I mean that's also like a that's a pandemic thing. <laughs> that's true. I this, a rainy day. This is this is what I can say about a rainy day in New York. It is the movie we deserved and to finally see in twenty twenty. <laughs> I mean it. It is a more. It has a more twenty twenty energy to it than what I assume Dune will have. Yes. Oh, hope as as our Lord and Savior Ariana said. Hopefully the light is coming to take back everything the darkness stole. Ugh, <laughs> well, Derek, I'm sorry that we we had you on for such a a bad no, movie, fine. but I'm so glad you were able to join us. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, it's honestly been an honor. Like I literally like I I'm not afraid to say it. Like literally I was telling people like, "Guys, we got Derek. Derek's coming on Chasing Chalamet." Um and my friend Jessica who was on our first episode and did the art like messaged me today and was like, "Is it today? Is it Derek's episode?" <laughs> Derek, is there? I, I, it's silly to ask you to promote your Twitter since you've got such a healthy following. But is there anything you want to plug or shout out before we wrap up? Follow me on Twitter if you want. It's just Timothy Chalamet without the E in Chalamet. Perfect. And if you aren't already following, kids, yeah, like what? what get are you on doing? it. <laughs> that all being said, that is our fifteenth episode of Chasing Chalamet. Uh, Hard to say when we'll be back, given that, you know, we, we don't really have release dates for any of Timothy's upcoming projects. We have talked about a few things we might be able to cover on the show. And now that we've kind of got our our Zoom recordings up and going, you know, as we enter week 34 of quarantine, uh, maybe we can kind of do a few of those small things that we talked about doing. Uh, the season of Homeland that Timothy was on, uh, the aforementioned Hallmark movie he did that aired on CBS, in which I believe was... 2009 if i'm not mistaken um but yeah we will we will look into doing some of those episodes but in the meantime uh you can find me on twitter and instagram at the dane mcdonald uh the show is on twitter and instagram as well on twitter we are chalamet chasing and on instagram we are chasing chalamet uh you can email us at chasing chalamet at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you uh, please consider us giving a rating and a review on iTunes, sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Uh, we would rather you do that than encourage them to watch A Rainy Day in New York. I think that the time you spend listening to this episode uh, will more than suffice for uh, the dearth of creative uh, nothingness that will come from watching A Rainy Day in New York. So please do that. Uh, and just to say again, Derek, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. Deal spelled D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. Later.